Welcome to the Conscious Marketing Podcast, where marketers come to channel their inner superhero and unlock their superpowers. On today's episode, we get to brass tacks. We address the question, how can a company audit their conscious marketing practices and show you how to remove the villains and victims from your storyline forever? Welcome again to the Conscious Marketing Podcast. This is Todd Social, and I am on with the Nicole Kelly, better yet known on Facebook as Nicole Kelly Rocks. And today's topic or or segments of topic, I should say, is audience <laughs> segmentation or audience segregation. Now, before anybody tries to be politically correct and <laughs> tries to interpret something out of that, please make sure that you listen to the podcast because it is really informational, it is really power-packed, and it is not as literal as you think. We don't want any nasty emails, anybody following us, because it's, because it's not segregation. Just to show you know, FYI, okay? But it's I'm willing to take. I'm I'm willing to take all those emails, actually. <laughs> yeah, you can take I, all those emails. I'll, I'll take all of them. I'm really curious as to like how how people perceive audience segmentation as different than segregation. But it's a fun conversation to have for sure. <laughs> well, you, well, you know, because of today's climate, we it could be interpreted the wrong way. Like, if you would have probably, if we would have probably had this topic, say, two or three years ago you know, pre, pre the, pre the recent election, mm -hmm. I would probably, you know, it probably wouldn't be misinterpreted. It'd probably be the listener to probably listen in and be like, okay, I'm going to listen. It's cool. Now it's like, like literal meaning like, oh, what is this? Is this racist? Is what is the interpretation? You know, like calm down people. It's okay. It's called education. You can actually learn from something. It's very powerful pack. Okay. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. Like this topic, like the reason we're even having this conversation is actually because I was in Baltimore City and I was um, looking at this beautiful space and we were looking at holding an event, and I just noticed that the energy of the sitter city yeah. was kind of this like this fist energy, right? This like retaliation mm -hmm. energy, and there was yeah. I was looking at this artist who had taken these photographs of. Um, what had happened in the Freddie Gray case when they were rioting in Baltimore. And at first, like I felt this like, wow, like this is happening in Baltimore city streets in the, yep. in the town that, you know, I live in and, and this energy of this, I was just solely looking at the energy of it. And it was, it was very us versus them. Mm -hmm. And it saddened me because what I then saw was this progression of photography Mm -hmm. where it first was this African-American man standing with a sign and very much standing up for what he believed in, right? And mm -hmm. it was just this beautiful, powerful piece of art. And then, in the very, and then there was another one, and it was a different sign, but it was a different angle, and it was very, very powerful and, and showing this almost, you know, what I imagine we would have seen with Martin Luther King in sure. very much a modern-day setting. Yeah. And then the very last one, the energy of it was very much for the money of it, 
for the fame of it, yeah. for the virality of it, a very much opposed photo that you could see that the entire time the intention of this was that this was staged in order to yep. tell a story that may yep. not actually be truly depicted in the way that it yeah. was, right? So I saw the marketing of it and I was just like, ah, that's like my town, you know? And <laughs> how can I be a part of that, right? Like that conversation of, you know, how do we join forces? <laughs> you know, how do we meet in the middle of where there are this political climate is, as you mentioned, it's, it's suddenly become more hostile, more us versus them versus recognizing that ultimately we are all one and whatever it is that we think divides us my question is where did it come from and i have a feeling that audience segmentation <laughs> gave us a permission slip to segregate our audiences once again in the modern day well so here's something that, here's something to think about um something to ponder on so so essentially let, let's think about you know how we traditionally look at market segmentation but mm -hmm. and let's unpack what used to be um, segmentation in society and then let's add what is segmentation today and I believe that the bridge is this. Um, let's go go back 10-15 years. I would be safe to say we, we were still kind of not a service-based uh, economy. We were still kind of kind of a, a, a hybrid of manufacturing service-based and maybe something in between. I think mm -hmm. it's, I think it's safe to accept the fact that we now are a service-based economy. So that's yeah, very that, much, very much that time is money. You hear that, you know, yeah. it, it evidenced by that the statement of today is that time is money, which means that, you know, an hour of our time is worth some exchange of money and essence, something that happens in a service-based economy versus a product-based economy. Well, and what happened uniquely about that is it's really about the people and where they were to where they're at. Because I thought about this, you know, um, growing up and, and living in Pennsylvania and growing up in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was, everybody knew it as a, a steel city. Well, right. if you go to it now, it's not a steel city. It's a it's almost getting on the borderline of being a tech industry city. Right. But the, the uniquely thing about it is you can go back there. And I went back to like some of the old neighborhoods to see family and stuff like that. And essentially those people are still kind of there. So what happened, what I think's happened in segmentation, because I was really trying to think about this is that the initial phase of, of marketers were actually truly markers, I believe people who are passionate like you and I, people who are really into this and, and dedicated. Then as the transition of becoming more service-based came, you had a lot of people who were already in society segmenting or segregating, and then they started getting integrated into marketing. And right. I, I think there, that's been the bridge is like, it, it's just now when, when people talk to me about marketing, it's like, okay, Political ads are not marketing. <laughs> Let's just be blunt about it. But marketing has, has a marketing segmentation has a, an approach. So I think it's been diluted in that sense. 
Right. And, you know, I know that you, you talk about targeting the right customer at the right time with the right ad is 90% of the marketing game, but there is a stigma. Uh, it does perpetuate uh, more than expansion. So in your, in your thoughts, um, is segmentation helpful for the collective or is it something that we should consider not, not doing moving forward? Like what's kind of your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's a really interesting one because like, this one brings up ethical dilemmas for me because when you look at how we segment as marketers, what we're doing is we're doing things like selecting how much money the household makes, yeah. the race of the people that live in that household. We select gender, yeah. we select religions, we select age, we select everything that it is illegal to select on to hire someone. <laughs> but we do it in order to market you products. And then when I look at the differences between how we market products to these different communities, it starts to get my empathic awareness heightens up to a level of, it makes me a little nauseous. Sure. Because what I see is that in white affluent communities, we're seeing in brands of luxury and you see the Porsches and the Ferraris and you know, this heightened look of, you know, affluence. And then when you start to look at brands that are marketed towards lower income families and especially families of African-American, you know, black yeah. descent, if you will. Um, I always have this conversation with my black friends. I'm like, do you want to be called African-Americans or black? Like, just tell me the real deal. And they're like, we're black, man. <laughs> but, you know, like, again, I'm very aware of, you know, like, I want to always be sensitive. And then you see that it's like things like Hennessy and, you know, like, just the mm -hmm. marketing and the language is not, it's, you know, to be like the community, but in essence, I wonder, is it actually like even degrading the community further, you know, by not having the same marketing standards and the same language? And is it blending into the community if you're not actually a part of the community, you know, and so it just like kicks up a whole bunch of stuff that I think that we have had a permission slip to segment based on profitability yeah. and what works. And the question is really, are we using that for good or are we using it to disempower? And in some cases I've seen both, to be honest, I've seen mm -hmm. examples of where, you know, under armor and Nike will come in and, and very much as a part of the community and gives back. And uh, Dr. Bronner's is another example of, you know, a company that participates in the burning man community in a very integrated and loving, compassionate way. Yeah. And others who use it as a way for profiteering and to take advantage. And I, you know, would use examples in the financial industry where banks and loan companies and, you know, check cashing and all of these things that make money expensive in our economy to an audience that has barely any, it, it starts to just like say, okay, <laughs> let's review and perhaps reevaluate our standards here and have a conversation about what is conscious in today's world, knowing that it's about value. We're in a value economy now. And the question of how you segment is, are you adding value or not? Well, you know, it's, it is, uh, it is an interesting, um, 
interesting dichotomy because when you really look at it, you know, you, you do talk about, you know, how can you uh, have segmentation empower or disempower? And I think, you know, I know you've brought this up, you know, on occasion in our conversations and you talk about uh, Maslow's basic needs for belongingness. Right. And, I, and I think that, you know, it's just one of those things where um, it's really hard to, to wrestle with this, I think, in terms of segmentation, because it, it comes down to the, the typical person, how much you segment or how little you do. And I think it is relegated to where you live, where you grow up, what your life experience is. Because, you know, um, I struggle with a, a new age term um, called um, hipster. And the reason why <laughs> I struggle with that, because for me, or just from my location and from my outlook, hipster to me means affluent, white, but kind of liberal yeah. versus affluent, white, and conservative. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's still the same segment. Like, yeah. and that's where I'm like, okay, well, you can have the same behavior in terms of your action, but you you may want a different label, you know. And we have these conversations oftentimes in, in group settings um, in, in, in my church or amongst uh, a lot of guys that, you know, I, I network with. And it's like, well, because it becomes a new label, uh, is it an empowered segmentation? Or, or, it's, like, or? Like, it's like to label or not label, right? That is the yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a really good one. It's, it's a good conversation to be having because just like you, you talked about that hipster that, you know, the millennial ultimately that happens to be white and um, happen to come from a family with money in a generation that is quite awoke, if you ask me, or I think woke is the yeah. uh, hip term now, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is not that we have like a hip way to say that we're woke. So I just want to like use it and um, pretend that I'm more than I am. <laughs> I'm known to geek up the place that way. <laughs> so, you know, but knowing that in like, there is a whole generation that doesn't accept labels and that is the millennial generation. And that is where I would say it's best not to label, you know, trying to market to the millennial generation and to sure. segment into cultural dynamics. It just doesn't fit like it used to anymore. Mm -hmm. And I thank goodness we we have a generation that doesn't identify by the color of their skin or their religion or the school they went to. We have a generation of heart open and very empathically aware generation that wants to be a part of doing something good and, and that is an amazing bar to set for you know this the industry standard and then also understand that we do have a need for belongingness and so when you can market to us in a way that actually helps us connect to our tribe our true soul tribe mm -hmm. then you are providing value you are doing a service and so when you can connect around things like consciousness for example something we can have a conversation about and you either are having a conscious conversation or you are not this is either interesting to you or it's not but we're not saying that hey this is the podcast for you know 40 year old white women and amazing black men that I don't know how old you are, Todd. <laughs> that fit who you and I are, right? Like we're not yeah. saying 
you have to fit our box to have this conversation. We're opening this conversation to everyone and, and more driving the conversation by whether or not it's interesting to you, if it's relevant to you or not, than some demographic that we selected in an advertising campaign. And at the same time, we might end up finding that we're relevant to some specific segment that we never imagined. And then you ask yourself the question of, well, if this audience seems to really like us, then do we continue to advertise to other people like them as Facebook allows you to do? You can do a like audience yeah. of your current followers. And does that honor that audience? And in that case, I would say, yeah, you know, like if we're really popular with a particular group, then obviously we add value to that group and it would make sense to use that level of segmentation. But it's always, you got to check with, with your own value system, of course. So it begs the question because I, I might stay on this hipster thing for a little bit because <laughs> I think it's just so interesting because, only because and, and deep thought about this, I mean, just to be completely honest, it's like, um, look at the, the paradigm of, say, what happened in Charlottesville to, say, all the giving and out, outreach that people have been doing for, like, all the hurricanes and everything, right? Yeah. Uh, and even, like, the... It's like outrage versus help and support, right? It's when there is a villain that we can identify with, then we raise our fists. But when it's Mother Nature, which, you know, we seemingly have no... We think we have no control of. It's like, oh, we these people obviously need our help. This happened to them against their will in yeah. some way. Then not acknowledging the climate change that is likely causing all of these you know, storm changes and weather changes and patterns, like totally not acknowledging any of that. And I mean, whether you choose to believe any of that or not, it's totally, you can pick your own story, um, yeah. what you believe is true, right? So choose mm -hmm. wisely. <laughs> so it's, it's really about, are we perpetuating stereotypes or, or connecting authentically, right? Because, right? because at the end of the day, the same person uh, could walk down the street and in, in a matter of months or days now, their, their mentality, you know, could have changed. Something could have triggered yeah. that. You know, it's like what we were talking about in the previous podcast about, you know, setting their boundaries and things of that nature. It's like, you know, are, are they breathing? You know, someone can change, you know, a topic like that's really sensitive in our country, like healthcare. Yeah, literally change someone's outlook. So are we perpetuating stereotypes or are we connecting authentically? What's, what's your take yeah. on that? So this is like one that just like hits super close to home because Yudi and I are having conversations right now as he's looking to go back into the building industry about like who the audience is that we're inspired to serve. And he's very inspired to serve an affordable housing market. <laughs> and um, there are opportunities for builders to come in and to help lift up communities ultimately. And like looking at like, what does that look like? And you know, um, and then looking at this energy in Baltimore and saying, like, it does feel like right now the energy is very much, it's been, a, it's the fist is raised, you know, and so what does that mean for the energy coming into the city? And could we actually be a part of changing a city? You know, you talk about the revitalization of Baltimore just as much as of Pittsburgh. And you see everyone is trying to centralize around this whole technology thing because it's the latest, it's the hipster trend thing to do to attract the hipster. You want to be hip and cool. And who doesn't want to attract the hipster who, you know, 
notably is is the white the new white affluent you know white man right mm -hmm. and so so everyone's trying to be trendy and cool but the question is is like is that the actual vibe of your city because i would say that you know baltimore is very much an african-american city of pride you know it is an amazing source of pride and that if you could rather look to empower those who already live there and build up the city based on what is true versus what you want to be true then i think we could actually really take the city that has for the last i would say decade had its fist raised and actually have us embrace each other in the streets of Baltimore and wow, like to be a part of that kind of change is amazing. But then how do you do it? Right. So we're mm -hmm. having conversations about like, okay, well you have a building company. What if we went into the city and, and bought a whole city block and then made that affordable housing for people with disabilities. And then myself as a quantum healer come in and actually conduct healings in this community and, and bring in job training and vocational training to hire from a community of people that we've trained as well. So we're bringing in jobs, we're bringing in healing, we're bringing in affordable housing. And what if we actually worked with the city to take a block and actually get it designated as vacants to value, you know, so we can do this effectively in a way that we can do it in a, a profitably sustainable way because for business to survive and thrive, it must have profit. I mean, that model is proven in at least the society we live in. And so it's really just like asking yourself to like step back and say, can you think about this creatively? In yeah. this case, we were aligning our passions and the things, the way that we truly want to ins are inspired to help the collective and then saying, okay, well, what business models fit this? What inspiration models fit this? What ethical models fit this? And what resources and help and funding would we need to actually support this? And, you know, at the end of this, like, you know, where are the cities on the East Coast that are actually working to be more conscious, like was happening on the West Coast? We still have yet to see that conscious contingency on the East Coast. And my wish is that Baltimore would be in the running for that. I, you know, I truly believe that places like Baltimore are because, you know, there has to be an, an epicenter of consciousness. It's almost like a, it's almost like a, a volcano. There has to be an epicenter that that kind of flows out and then it flows out into the other areas. And when I've had to look at the East coast as a grid period, I've always believed that Baltimore has always had the opportunity to do that more so than a, a lot of other places. Because, you know, if you, if it happens in Baltimore, it'll affect, you know, DC for sure. Right. You know, and it'll have an impact on Philadelphia. You know, yeah. I, I've never believed that, you know, you can do it. Something that we're what we're talking about can never be done in a place like New York or or even Los Angeles for that matter because I think um, uniquely speaking, like those are always going to have because of the numbers they're always going to have a certain segmentation that's going to have you know control overall. Right. Well, I mean Baltimore is a unique case, right? I mean, and mm -hmm. and this just is like passion and love for your own city, I guess. Yeah. And a segment about being the change you wish to see at home as well as nationally, right? I actually moved into Baltimore and I wanted to be a part of this, like, hey, you can 
be white and middle class and live in the city and, mm -hmm. and be able to, you know, like looking at, you couldn't send, send your kids to the school in Baltimore City. Like it just wasn't even an option because the violence was so high, the crime was so high. So you had to accept that you would have to put your kids in private school and you paid the highest taxes, the property taxes in the state. And yet, you know, I live five houses from the county line and when it snowed, my street, we would be out there with shovels and our neighbors like mm -hmm. plowing our own streets and five houses down, it's blacktop, you know. So watching us get less services for more money in a very um, economically depressed community and then, you know, the crime rates were so high. And at the same time, we had Sheila Dixon, I believe her name was, was the mayor and she was basically like, she, she was like stealing gift cards for the poor and using them for her own stuff and gets kicked out of office. And then Stephanie Rawlings Blake comes in and does the best that she can. I didn't really follow it, but it seemed like she kind of rejuvenated things for a bit and then actually got reelected. And now we have uh, a new mayor in town and it's just kind of like, what's your legacy going to be? Cause Baltimore in honesty in all honesty has the reputation of being a city with a very high crime rate with, not very great schools mm -hmm. and we have this beautiful inner harbor for touristing but we are definitely i wouldn't say on the high end of the list for consideration for living and especially in conscious communities and so i'd love to be part of that change of helping baltimore come into its own as you know we wake up the city of baltimore to its true potential that'd be really fun We've been asking ourselves some big questions at the Conscious Marketing Institute. What if the world's greatest marketers came together with one mission? To inspire humanity to embrace its full potential. What if we gave them $50,000 to execute the most inspirational advertising campaign the planet has ever seen? What if we are the superheroes the world needs? The Conscious Marketing Mastermind is a prototype to find out. As Conscious co-creators, we will create a campaign to inspire humanity to step into our full potential and execute it with a team of the best marketers on the planet. If you're the kind of superhero who wants to be a part of something big and you have $25,000 to invest in inspiring humanity, go to ConsciousMarketingInstitute.com and click on Mastermind to learn more. The final group for 2018 will be selected on December 31st, so get your application in soon. What if your voice was the key to assist you in your conscious awakening? It is. The Conscious Marketing Podcast is proud to be partnered with Clearly Conscious to bring you advanced sound healing technology. Here's how it works. Go to clearlyconscious.ca forward slash conscious marketing podcast to submit your voice sample for analysis. The Clearly Conscious team analyzes your voice and sends you your own personal soul tone designed to harmonize and balance your energy. Just play this tone anytime or anywhere to immediately feel balanced. And that's not all. Because sound healing works at the quantum level, it helps to open your heart to unlock your true center of consciousness. If you're into effortless and you're into conscious expansion, there's no time like the present to check out clearlyconscious.ca forward slash conscious marketing podcast. 
as a special bonus. You'll also receive a personalized reading from a clearly conscious coach for just $50 Canadian. That's a 33% discount for conscious marketers. You are the superhero the world is looking for. Get harmonized and let's go change the world. Well, then that brings me to your your three tips because I think that's super important for us to get in because uh, we are running a little shorter time on, on this particular podcast. Uh, we will talk about this topic more though because I believe it's a, a very hot button topic and, and people have information that they want to share and I want to probably pull this out uh, of you again. But before we uh, check out here, let's get your three tips that people can take away from audience segmentation or audience segregation. Yeah, today was our, our challenge to ourselves to see if we could do an episode in under 30 <laughs> minutes and see how if it either made the content better or if we actually like the longer format. So thank you for that time check. Um, so yeah, so today's three tips on aud- audience segmentation is one, you know, segment to empower. So if you're going to choose an audience segment, then look to find an audience that you can make a tangible impact on through inspiration, motivation, and empowerment. So really segment intentionally because you know this is a community you can lift up. And then two, once you do that segmentation, actually deliver that inspiration. So create marketing pieces that inspire and motivate each human soul and add in a measurement um, piece for this and connect. I'm sorry. I was like skipping ahead of my notes. Did you notice I was like trying to read? Like an authentic moment of I'm using like Google keep, but like the light is like hitting my eyes in this moment <laughs> and it's creating this amazing glare on my screen. But anyway, the light so, is segregating you. That's what the, it is. The light, the light is, is trying to, and it literally is blind across my face. (laughs) Yeah, so deliver inspiration, create marketing pieces that inspire and motivate each human soul to connect with its true essence. So that means stepping into its true greatness to be itself unapologetically. And this is really being the change you wish to see by inspiring this audience to be themselves authentically and step out whatever appropriate closet in. And then the last is to measure connection. So I was a proponent of measuring and and profit. And I do believe, I understand that it is important for business and we should continue to measure it. And then add in ways that you can measure for connection and inspiration. And one of the ways that I think is easy to do this is to measure the energetic response through the piece of that we can measure actively, which is language. And so You can actually, in a campaign, create a word cloud of all the posts, shares, comments, and then see what language bubbles the top and ask yourself, did we inspire here or did we spread disempowerment through fear and and negativity? And, you know, the one, there are many tools that do this. I know NetBase is one that I've used in the past where you can actually go through a campaign, you can measure and you can bring up this amazing word cloud and you can look at what you inspired. and, And then at the end, just ask yourself, were you the change you wish to see? Well, that's, that is definitely uh, some great takeaways. Um, I mean, obviously, there's so much, you know, being, being a visual person, it's good to see like a, a word cloud. And you know what, I think that if people were actually to see the word clouds, a lot of them would actually look at things in a different perspective. But it, I think it's yeah. just so, so much about measuring, you know, the connection that is so super important. And I think that's what people do a little bit less on. I mean, 
you know, going through the tips, it's like, you know, people will, will segment to empower to a degree. Um, inspiration, right. I always believe kind of people are always looking at it, but they don't know how to reach it. But yeah. it's always about measuring. You know, we, we are, even though we are a tech-driven society now or tech-first, it seems like measuring falls short or it seems like data falls short. And so it, it, I call it the analytics of self. If you cannot, you know, analyze yourself, how can you analyze someone else? So I, yeah. sometimes we have to use, go into our own data bank and say and measure that connection. So, um, and and also like understanding energy, like you can actually feel it, right? So you can measure this in hard numbers and you can measure it using something tangible, like a word cloud to represent, you know, the ideas that were thought and shared many times on advertising campaigns. Quite frankly, if you run a word cloud on them, what you'll find is it's a lot of people complaining because your ads are annoying. And Mm -hmm. it's simply that you try to turn that off of your word cloud so your management teams don't see it instead of acknowledging that ads are quite annoying. And so (laughs) the the key is, is like, could you do an ad and have an inspiring word cloud? Like that actually achieves something tangible, in my opinion, of movement of change at least. And, you know, and then we're like, but really like check in on the energy of it. Like when you watch the ad, does it make you feel good? at the end? You know, do you feel inspired? Do you feel motivated? Or do you feel sad? Or do you feel worried? Or do you feel hopeless? Or do you feel like you have to do something right now or something bad is going to happen to you? I mean, most often, we try to increase urgency as our primary factor that we use to motivate someone to buy. And urgency creates anxiety in the body. You're kicking up people's fight or flight responses. And is that really what you want when they interact with your brand? And if not, then I just encourage you to Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we are going to come to an end. Once again, this is the Conscious Marketing Podcast with Todd Social and Nicole Kelly from Nicole Kelly Rocks. And make sure you stay tuned for the next podcast, as well as if you're looking for a conscious marketing audit, definitely reach out to us and the Conscious Marketing Mastermind, which is coming up uh, rather shortly right now. Uh, Stay tuned. Check us out. Check out the website. We'll be in touch with you guys. Until then, stay conscious. Thank you for joining the Conscious Marketing Podcast. We hope you found your inner superhero and have what you need to raise the bar for consciousness in the industry. If you like what you heard, please take the time to leave us a rating and review. Tell us what really works for you and what would make the show even better. Every review helps another conscious marketer find their way here. Want to have next week's episode automatically queued up for your Monday commute? Remember to subscribe before you leave. We thank you for your support. Please go to ConsciousMarketingPodcast.com for show notes, links, and other awesome resources. It is our honor to serve you now. Let's go change the world.